When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 8, Controlling Kids' Clutter. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. It's that time of year where many of us are probably reading or watching that famous Dr. Seuss story about the mean old Mr. Grinch. He slinks into Whoville on Christmas Eve and steals all the kids' toys and trinkets and instruments and rattles and drums and loads them up in an enormous bag on his sleigh. And then he heads to the top of Mount Crumpet, ready to just dump it all right over the cliff. And as a mother, I must admit that sometimes I really relate to the Grinch. Because sometimes I want to go through my house like a madwoman with a big bag and just gather up all the trinkets and the Legos and the Nerf arrows and the My Little Ponies And I want to go on my own little journey to the top of Mount Crumpet for a little dump off. Well, today on 3 and 30 podcast, we have a guest who's going to help us not be Grinches this holiday season. She's going to teach us some concrete strategies for controlling our kids' clutter. In last week's episode, we talked about creating homes of peace and simplicity And it really resonated with many of you, but I also had many comments and follow-up questions asking how, how can we simplify and minimalize when we have kids and kids acquire so much stuff? So with this question in mind, I turned to my friend, Tana Park, who is amazing at this sort of thing. She has five kids of her own. Yes, five kids. And yet she keeps a very organized, clean home. And I know that she's helped a lot of other women in our group of friends to develop systems within their homes for organizing and decluttering. I'm so lucky to have her as a friend in my daily life, and I'm honored to be able to share her with all of you this week. So Tana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. So before we begin, I know people are probably wondering, so how did you get into organizing in the first place and become sort of this go-to organizer for so many people in your life? Well, when, when it first started, the first time I can really remember organizing anything, I had taken a homemaking class in college and for extra credit, we were supposed to organize a closet. Uh And so I organized this like this entry closet that we had when Matt and I were first married and I just loved it. And so from there I started helping. I know. <laughs> it's so 
<laughs> such a freak thing. So from there I started, um, like I helped my sisters-in-law organize and they would pay me to come help them, um, during the week. And I realized I, I was kind of good at it. And so then I just loved it so much. I've like, I've, I don't want to say I've read every organizing book there is, but I have read a lot of organizing books and, uh-huh. um, I just, I take it pretty seriously. That's awesome. And I just have to say that I love that you took a homemaking class in college. That's probably uh-huh. why you're so much better at everything domestic than I am because of that. Right. Class. I mean, that college credit, I'm sure really made a big difference. Yeah. So I would love to have you over to my house to help me do it. And I plan to at some point. But I was thinking that in order to flush out our three takeaways for today's episode, I just give you a scenario. So if you came over to my house today and helped me organize my playroom, what would you do? What would your three takeaways be for a mom who wants to keep the chaos of the playroom at bay? Well, the first thing I would do is to put at least half of the toys up high and out of reach so they could be rotated in and only half would be in circulation at any given time. Okay. So how would we go about doing that? Well, you kind of want to sort them because if half of the My Little Ponies are up and half of them are down, then it's sometimes better to keep things in their groups. So I would keep all the My Little Ponies together. I would keep If your kids are really into Legos, I wouldn't necessarily keep all the Legos up, but maybe put half of those Legos away. And then from there, like, you know, just sort them into their categories so that you can kind of get a good sense of how many toys that you have. And then also you can kind of see if there's like toys that don't really fit into a category that like, like a Bratz doll or like something that is a, that they've been given as a gift. And it just kind of ends up floating from thing to thing and it doesn't really have a home. And if it's not, if it's something that they really love, but they, they don't play with it necessarily because I don't know, they, there's nothing else to play with it. They don't have any other brat doll clothes or whatever. Do you know which ones I'm talking about? Yes. Oh yes. They have like the big heads. Yes. So anyway, um, I was always like, they were the bane of my existence. Every time my kids would get like a toy that was uncategorized, I'd be like, no, curse you uncategorized toy. Oh yes. So anyway, you could put it like in the car or like in a quiet, like in a little place maybe that, you know, like so that they could play with it sometimes, but it just wouldn't be in the rotation. Or you could just have a whole bin of uncategorized toys, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing, which right. I am not. <laughs> but no, I'm not judging if you are. So you sort them all. And then um, what is the benefit of putting half of them up high and or out of reach? So the benefit is it's kind of twofold. One, the kids can see more clearly. They don't get as overwhelmed when they are trying to play with toys. So they, instead of just getting everything out and just dumping it all out, and then they maybe play with just a few things or maybe not, um, they can see more clearly what they have and they'll play with it more. And then the other benefit is it's so much easier to clean up. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like 30 minutes, like you go into your toy room and you're like, it is going to be a full 30 minutes to get this all put back together. You're like, Hey, 10 minutes, we can get this, you know, we can get this all put back together. And then also if you have kids over at your house, they can see more clearly like, oh, I get it. There's only three bins. We have three sets of toys. We just can put them all where they go and put them up. It just makes it a little bit easier 
um, to organize them, to sort them out if you're trying to put them away. And also I think they do so much better and they're so much happier when they have less to play with. And that is so like counterintuitive sometimes. I'm like, I feel like my kids don't play with toys. They never play with their toys. And I'm like, so I need to find a better toy to, so I'm like, right. So we need to get more toys so that (laughs) we can find that magical toy that they'll actually play with. When really the answer may be to reduce the number of toys, whether to actually get rid of them or just to put them up high and save them so that they will actually play with those few toys that are out and not be overwhelmed. Like you said, the, the dumping of bins, that is like the, the bane of my existence. I cannot stand the dumping of bins and you're right. They don't play with it. They just dump everything Mm -hmm. out and that's that. So if you found that your kids play longer um, with when they have fewer toys. Mm-hmm. And especially when they have, like, if there's just a bin of like, let's say Barbie dolls. And I don't know if you did this when you were younger, but if you have fewer, like, it seems like, oh, we would need more Barbie doll clothes in order to play with our Barbie dolls. But I don't know if you ever did this, but we would make clothes for our Barbies out of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And like out of Kleenexes, like we'd fashion like little outfits for them and we'd use ribbon and tie it like as a belt. And so it would just be a lot more creative play than when you have less. But then it seems like, like you said, it is counterintuitive. We think, oh, you need more. Another really good example of this is Play-Doh. So I gave my two-year-old um, a little thing of Play-Doh and I just gave him like a fork and a little rolling pin and this little circle cutter like just like a little circle punch and he played for so long with it he played for like 20 minutes which is pretty good for true that's a good long yeah you know stretch of time but I noticed like if I get the whole bin of play-doh toys out they just they dump the whole thing out again the bane of your existence that clattering noise of toys being dumped out and then and then they kind of just play for a second and then they just sort of walk away I think it's just overwhelming for them yeah and so I just think less is more when it comes to toys. I love that. So you put them, you put half of it up high and then, um, and then you occasionally bring it back down and put the other stuff back up. I mean, you're rotating it in and out. Yeah. I rotate it in and out. Okay. Unless it's something that they always love to play with, like. Duplos are fairly, uh, even then I put them up because then they're just so excited when they come back down. It's like they just got a new toy. Right. Yes, that's so true. So, and how do you store them? Um, Do you store them in like see-through bin, like plastic Tupperwares, or how do you store them in the playroom? I've done it a couple different ways. I I sometimes, I never store them in see-through bins because then for some reason, like the kids will see them and then all of a sudden they're climbing shelves and like all of your toys are back out again, and it's just like looks like the toy room is thrown up. So definitely not see-through bins. At one time, I would just keep them in a huge Rubbermaid bin, and I would just like put each thing like in a, I don't know, like in a um, grocery sack. Like I'd put all the Barbies in a grocery sack, just tie it up and put it in that bin. Put all the My Little Ponies in a bag, tie it up and put it in, and then I would just put it. I would just actually keep it in the garage. Yeah. But now I have a little bit. I have like more up high, so I will just keep it really up high and and then just pull it down occasionally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, so the first thing that we would do is go through, organize, sort all of my toys into categories, and we would put half of them elsewhere and keep half of them out. Um, That's takeaway number one. 
And then what is your second takeaway? What would you have me do? Okay. So the second takeaway is something that's really easy. Like if you're thinking, I do not have time to sort all my toys and put half of them in storage. Um, just go around and this does help. This works when you're sorting your toys and you find that big, that big bin of uncategorized that are like toys that they've gotten for prizes from school. Maybe they've gotten them at the dentist's office. Um, they get them for birthday presents, but they just don't really use them. They're just kind of toys. They're just sort of lame. Like they don't really play with them, but they, for some reason, just keep floating around the house. So if you find a toy and you think to yourself in your head, I never want to pick this toy up again, then that is the perfect toy to just either throw away or what I do, which I think is kind of fun, is I put it up high so the kids can't see it. I put it up in a box to give to their teachers, like so the teachers can put it in their toy, their prize box. Oh, okay. So, um, so the teachers have a prize box. Yes, yeah, so it can get recycled back into our homes. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so you have so you've done that before, and do the teachers? they appreciate it or do they think it's weird? Like I've never heard of that before. Well, it's only like the teachers that have pride, like that I know have prize boxes. They don't just like randomly take like, Hey, here's this bag of awesome junk for your classroom. It's just the teachers I know that have prize boxes. And over the years, my kids have had a lot of teachers that have prizes. And I've just said, I just kind of bring them stuff. And I just say, Hey, if you want to use this for prizes, you can, and if you don't, just throw it away because that's what I was going to do. And they're usually pretty glad to have the extra stuff because a lot of times they're buying it for their classrooms anyway. Right. And it is like the little knickknacky stuff that's in their totally. prize box to begin yes. with. Yes. McDonald's toys. Yeah. So it's not like you don't give them like just total junk that's broken. No. You no. Give them... I don't. If it's broken, just throw it right in the garbage. Right. But you give there them. There be some real treasures in those prize boxes. Yeah. Um, how do you like are your kids on board with this with you getting rid of their toys or well, you giving them to their teachers so I have had to do it um in alternating years so like this year I will give the prize box stuff to my son's teacher from last year who I know does prizes and um last year I gave it to his kindergarten teacher he's in second grade now because it doesn't, it's not really, they, they might not be like completely against it, but when they see their toys, like getting handed out as prizes, it's not always their favorite thing. Yeah. So I definitely recommend maybe, you know, doing it like in a different, maybe doing a different teacher, but I have had so, I mean, my kids, my oldest is 16. So we've, I have a lot of teachers that I know. And so and, or you can just throw them away or you can just do, donate them to charity. I mean, you can just put them in your charity bin. That's just as easy. But I was thinking when I listened to your podcast about like developing good relationships with teachers, that that is kind of a fun thing, like to just be like, hey, thanks for doing the prize box. It's super motivating for my kids. Here's some prizes. Do with them what you want. Right. You know, and so I kind of, but also if it's just too much, if that seems overwhelming, then just throw them away or put them in your donate you know, like in a, in a donate bin. Yeah. Do your kids notice when stuff disappears? I I've noticed that my kids don't, they don't seem like those little knickknacky things. If I just make them disappear, nobody ever says a word about it. And is that true for you? Completely. Unless it's like, 
And that's the kind of nice thing if they're just up on the shelf. So if for some reason they do say, mom, did you see that McDonald's toy that I got last week? You can be like, oh yeah, hold on. I think I know where it is. And you can go get it. But I have had that happen like one out of maybe like a hundred times. Yeah. And it is so true. Just if you never want to see it again, then (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just get rid of it. Like, and I that happens to me. I'm like, I picked this up five times today, and I am never picking it up again. So yes, that's what I do. Get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. It. So takeaway number two: if it's lame, get rid of it, or give it to someone who would want it, like a teacher or to charity or something like that. I think the teacher yeah. idea is really creative. I've never heard of that. Um. And then what is your third takeaway for keeping kids' stuff at bay in our homes? Okay, so my third takeaway is the one-in-one-out rule. And I started this with myself just because I have kind of limited closet space. And so I found, like, once I had kind of maxed out my closet, I had to – I love in minimalism they have this saying – And it's like, you have to ruthlessly edit what comes in and stays in your home. And I love that ruthlessly editing. I don't know why I just love it. But anyway, so, um, so I would do one in one out. Well, it works good with kids too. Like my two girls just like have a lot of stuffed animals. And so when we're somewhere and they want to buy another one, then I'm always like, okay, you can buy that. But then you have to get rid of one when we get home. And so it really makes them think about if they actually want to buy it and if they do, like, do they have in mind something that they could get rid of that they'd be willing to get rid of? And I also make them do, like, something of comparable size Mm -hmm. because otherwise they'd be sneaky and, like, they'll get this ginormous penguin and then you get home they're like, hey, here's a beanie baby. You're like, like, "Uh, no. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So one in and one out. And I know you've told me before that the principle, like it's, it is so much easier to keep stuff from ever coming in than it is to get rid of stuff once it's, once it's there. Um, So to be really selective about what you allow in and ask them, like, do you actually want that thing? Um, If so, then what are you going to give up so that we can have that thing? Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think I use the analogy of like buying Oreos at the store. It's like, if you buy them at the store, that's like one decision, but then you have to make the decision when you get home, like a hundred times, if you're going to eat the Oreo or not. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you might just buy it one time at the store, but then over the lifetime of that object, you might end up picking it up and moving it a hundred different times. So it is like just being really, and I think it's the same, like as we're coming into Christmas, just being really intentional about what, like the gifts that we give so that we don't, because sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed and kind of just to start throwing things in our cart. Yeah. And then we get to the end and we're like, what was I thinking? That was such a bad choice. Right. Especially because a lot of times, um, a lot of little things is less expensive than maybe something bigger or more like heirloom quality. Right. So you may be thinking like, well, it's not actually that much money to buy all these little things for them, but it it's, it's time. It's time that right. you're going to spend um, cleaning, picking up uh, and away from your kit, away from your family. Cause you're trying to deal with all the stuff away from your family. And also maybe making you feel a little crazy. Yes. And like a little, you know, kind of a little anxious or a little overwhelmed. So it's like, it's like a 
trifecta of wretchedness. Yes, I agree. And I, so I've really tried to think about like, what's one bigger gift or something that they could use for years or even that I could keep after they're grown up. My grandkids could play with, you know, so that's kind of how I've tried to do holidays. And that's a totally different mindset. I love that. Um, You talked about how at the beginning of the podcast, you talked about how you've read a lot of books about organizing and Mm -hmm. um, the one book that I know a lot of people have read is that the life changing magic of tidying up. Um, So have you read that and do you apply that when you declutter with your kids? Yeah. So I, I, I have read it. I love it. Just the cover alone. This makes me feel like completely serene and Zen. And (laughs) yeah. And I love, and I guess I too, I really love her principle of sparking joy, things that spark joy. Um, because again, it's kind of that ruthlessly editing what comes and stays in your life. So, so explain what that principle is because everybody may not have read it. Right. Which is just mind boggling. Just kidding. So (laughs) Um, her principle is that you keep the things that spark joy and you literally in her, in her book, you hold them, you, you touch them, you decide like, is this something that sparks joy? And then you can decide if you're going to keep it or not. And obviously there are some things that don't spark joy that you have to have like a garbage can. So it doesn't (laughs) go with everything, but it goes with like a lot of things. And, but the thing that I think is interesting is she doesn't have any kids. Right. And so, cause I tried to do this with my kids and everything sparks joy for children. All right. of their stuffed animals spark joy for them. So that is, it's not necessarily like you definitely have to be the kind of the gatekeeper in, right. in our homes as moms, we have to be the gatekeepers of what comes in. Yes. Um, and they that. don't, they don't have the ability yet to really understand like, does this spark joy for a minute? Or does it spark like true lasting joy that you want to keep it forever? They're like, no, I want to keep it all. Like it all sparks. Yes, it's all fun. Exactly. So that's what I love about your one in one out rule is that um, you're starting to get them thinking about how much do I actually want this? What would I have to give up? Um, you know, they're not actually thinking, does it spark joy for me? I mean, they're not thinking right. in those they're terms. They're not thinking but- those words. Yeah. But you're teaching them how to be more conscious about their things. And that's a skill that they'll use for the rest of their life. So being a mom who is very into organization and decluttering, um, how how much do you involve them in that? Do you Have you taught them how to do that? Are they involved or do you just do it? Well, usually I start them in the process when they're about eight. That's usually when I'll like go into their rooms with them and we'll kind of pull things out and look at things because it seems like that's kind of about when they have the ability to kind of reason through why there's something, why they can't keep everything. Mm-hmm. Cause in their minds, I think they just, it's like, well, I just will keep it all and kind of really like explain to them, we can't keep all the things, you know, our, we, our homes would be, it, we just can't. And so, and then, and then they also kind of get to where they're like, oh yeah, I don't care about that. That's fine. That can go. Um, one thing that I do with my kids when they're about that age is I kind of, I let them have like a treasure drawer or a treasure box and it's kind of still goes along with the one in and one out because it's a limited amount of space. So if they have so many treasures that their treasure drawer is overflowing or their treasure box is overflowing, then we kind of, and it can just be like a little shoe box. One of my kids just has a shoe box under his bed and that's kind of where he keeps his like real treasures. And then I have another one who has a whole drawer of treasures. 
So, and then we'll just pull it out and go through everything. And then, and it's really, it kind of turns into a junk drawer almost. And then they can kind of really keep the things that they really treasure. And then the rest has to go because they have a limited amount of space that they can keep for that. Right. Oh, that's great. And I also love what you've told me about um, your older kids. So you have quite a spread. I mean, you have 16 down to two. Mm-hmm. And um, you've told me before that even with how much order matters to you, you really try to respect your older kids and not like throw away their stuff when they're not home or things like that. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, how you've involved them and how you allow them some, you know, part of this and how you allow them their own space in that way? Sure. So one of the things that I've noticed is like when, if I go in and just clean their rooms, they love it. Mom, thanks so much for cleaning my room. And so because of that, it kind of gives me the clue, like they do want clean rooms. They maybe just don't know how to do it. And so it's kind of like at the point where it's my job to teach them, but not necessarily my job to infringe my kind of beliefs on what I think are worthy items and what are unworthy items. Mm -hmm. And because I think I can figure it out for for an eight-year-old and below. I mean, I think I, I have a pretty clear sense of like, this is junk and this is something that you will actually play with. But as they get older, you know, they're kind of the things that they love. They might have some, um, you know, sentimentality attached to it that I'm unaware of. And so I do definitely try and real. I, I respect their, but, but it, I can respect their kind of their own ideas and their beliefs because they are still, they will still get rid of stuff. Right. If they, if they were hoarders, I'm not, I hope that I would still do it, but I don't know if I'd be able to. Right. But they all, they all are pretty good about some are better than others about getting rid of, you know, the things that they just don't wear anymore, the things that are worn out or um, like if they get something new, then letting something else go. Right. And it may be that they're good at it because you've done this one in one out rule with them all along. You've taught them some of these things all along. And I think they feel good when they have less clutter. Yes. I think it feels good to them. I think so when they, and so I think that because they've done it so many times, they're like, oh yeah, it'll be worth it getting rid of this stuff. Like my oldest daughter is 16 and she, she's like, goes through her stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Like without me even doing it, she'll just bring me a pile of stuff. And she's just like, I don't want this stuff anymore. And then inevitably my 11 year old daughter will go through it and it'll end up back in the <laughs> back in the stream of things. Yes. The 11 year old wants it now. Yeah. But I think that's why it's just because they've experienced that I guess, kind of the life-changing magic of tidying up. They know that it feels good to tidy up. Well, Tana, thank you so much. This is going to help me to not be a Grinch and just bag up all my kids' stuff and throw it away this holiday season. So can you um, go through the three takeaways one more time and review them for the listeners? Sure. So the first thing is, instead of being a Grinch and bagging it up and throwing it away, you're going to be less of a Grinch and you're just going to put it away half of their toys away so -hmm. that you can kind of cycle it through and it's easier to clean up and it's easier for them to play with. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is if it's lame, just get rid of it. And if you don't want to pick it up a hundred more times, get rid of it. That will be a good indicator of whether or not, you know, if it's a toy, you're like, Oh, this is worth picking up for the next five years then by all means, keep it. But if it's not, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So that's takeaway number two. It's just, if it's something that they're not playing with, 
let it go. And then the third takeaway is just the one in and one out rule. And that is pretty self-explanatory when, when the kids, you know, really explain it. When you get a new toy, then one has to go. And I think it's good to apply this to our own stuff just because I think it's important to have the same standards for ourselves that we try and have for our kids. Yes. As much as possible. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And you've inspired me. So now I think I'm going to go and sort some toys in the playroom, (laughs) get rid of some and make room for some more to come this holiday. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. And thank you to anyone who's listening for taking the time to tune in today to get some ideas of ways to simplify your toys in your kids' play spaces to make everyone in the family happier. And I have to ask, have you found 3 and 30 on Instagram yet? Now is the time because this week I will be sharing some pretty great photos of my son dressed up as the Grinch on the top of Mount Crumpet. A couple of years ago, we did a family Halloween costume with a Grinch theme. And I decided to actually act out scenes from the book and take photos of my kids so that we could create like a Shutterfly book of the actual Grinch Who Stole Christmas story with my kids as the pictures to give to grandparents and to Noah's birth parents for Christmas. And it turned out hilarious. And it makes me smile every year when I pull it out of the Christmas box, which I just did this past week. So find me on Instagram at 3 and 30. That's all one word. Um, the number 3, I-N, then the number 3-0 podcast. So 3 in 30 podcast, all one word, to see a few of those hilarious Grinch photos. I hope that you're all having a wonderful December with your family, and I hope that you'll hold them close this week. Hey, I'm Lizzie Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind the scenes, real talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.